You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Family room and alhamdulillah uh, this evening by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we get into the month where we say Halun wa salun ya Ramadan you are honored the month of the Quran. We are joined uh, none other by uh, none other than our favorite Ahmad Mansur Sheikh Imam who is a member of parliament and someone that walks the talk and alhamdulillah as a Muslim you know he's uh, he distinguishes himself well on the highest level when it comes to parliament and when it comes to humanitarian aid and so forth ahmad mansur sheikh imam is always there in the forefront ahmad assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and jazakallah khair for joining us this evening and tell me how you doing wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wa barakatuh alhamdulillah what can i say of course i think we've had what we have perceived to be a sh- shutdown yesterday I think it was a dismal failure, but instead of rather taking advantages of the weaknesses all over the world, we are more divided than we have ever been. So make dua, inshallah, that we can be a united nation. Yeah, Ahmed, uh, one of the interviews that I saw was uh, Becky Kale was there. There was this old woman there and this uh, gentleman, they call him Lux or something. His house was uh, uh, bombed. And, uh, you know, she made a very vital statement where she said, I never thought that in my lifetime, old, this is uh, what they call them, uh, go-go, uh, old go-go, saying, I never thought in my lifetime that I'll see black on black violence. She says, there's it here. We're not fighting the apartheid regime anymore. We're not fighting the white man anymore. We blacks are fighting each other and killing each other. And she made such an important and what a powerful observation that this is exactly what's happening. Uh, the blacks among themselves in this country are deeply divided. You can see it's black on black violence. And uh, one of them even said, you know, all these uh, bombs that went out at the ATM and what happened. All this happened in the uh, black townships. What's your your your, your th- thoughts on that, Ahmed? It's very unfortunate that we've got to that stage in the country. It clearly indicates the level of hate, hate crimes and hate speech that we find in South Africa, but we should not be surprised at that. And why I say this is pre-1994, there was a lot of black-on-black violence perpetrated by blacks in South Africa against their own black brothers and sisters. That's the first problem. The other problem we have in the country is the problem of tribalism. And then, of course, it's politics. And politics means you must get what you want. If you can't get what you want, no one else must get it. So even if it means there must be black on black violence to achieve your selfish objective of power and control, so be it. And that's where we find ourselves currently. And it is because politicians, like I've said before, have mastered the art of divide and rule, of telling people what they want to hear. Blacks generally in South Africa have learned from the apartheid regime and have now mastered this, a person like Julius Malema, how you use race to divide our people. Unfortunately, the majority of the black South Africans who are innocent, who all they want is a better quality of life, which was promised to them where they came out in numbers, many of whom lost their lives, lost their livelihoods in the process to ensure 
that we could have a better life free of any oppression are today disappointed because the very same black brothers and sisters that they found fought with for are today the ones that are oppressing them. Absolutely, Ahmed. And, you know, I'd quickly like to discuss uh, this uh, article uh, written, uh, you know, for the anti-treason movement by uh, uh, Brother Rasul. And, you know, uh, the the, the thing he made, I'll I'll just read a few paragraphs and uh, inshallah you can uh, comment on it. He says, is this not the time uh, to build Africa whilst Europe is disorganized and weak? If yes, why is the EFF and others uh, destroying uh, the country as opposed to further destabilizing it? Is this about the poor or about misdirection as we give our colonizers breathing space to recover to the common man? Do we see this or are we blinded by our emotions and uh, mutilate our country and be in the fifth column for Europe? Emma Goldman said uh, the most dangerous element in society is ignorance. Uh, this is shown clearly in the last escapades by Malema and his minions and uh, shows clearly that uh, fear and stupidity drives our politics, uh, not uh, uh, clinical analysis and scientific actions uh, based on critical thinking. And uh, he goes on to say, we have the most resource country in the South, but instead of strategic engagement, we have demagogues who work on our rational sterility and uh, bankruptcy to uh, entrench our emotions uh, driven into anti-intellectualism disguised uh, as patriotism and love of the poor. I think, you know, he hits the nail on the head. He couldn't be even, uh, you know, more clear than anyone else because he's really, he's talking about uh, the nitty-gritty. Your reaction as one that is in the highest office of uh, the country? Well, indeed, he's well articulated his position, and I must accept uh, what he is saying. However, the history of Africa will tell you that that is not what politicians currently think of, of capitalizing on the weaknesses of Europe. If you look at the state, the United States of America is, look at the UK itself, look at the crisis that they are facing, many other countries, look at what's happening in Germany, what's happening in France, all over, look at what is happening in Israel, four, five hundred thousand people protesting. Is it not an opportunity for Africa? Yes, indeed. But politicians are so selfish, they don't look any further than themselves. That's the unfortunate thing. But in what we read here, you can see clearly that the politicians of today, their interest is only about power and control, not about the masses that they mislead into believing that this, like a shutdown yesterday, is because of the people on the ground. Clearly, it is not. You know, you can't be wearing a a, 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 a a branded pair of shoes with thousands of friends or a watch that is worth tens of thousands of friends while your people are going hungry. That is not the way you lead. And I always say that the wealthy have so much that if they can share it with the poorest of the poor, you'll create such a better society. Because the fact of the matter, Brother Shafat, is how long and how much of your wealth can you control over what period of time? 
Now, my view is, is that you can be have a lot of wealth. You'll control it currently. You can control it up to the next generation. And thereafter, you lose absolute control over it. So what is the need for such greed and selfishness that you have millions, if not multi-millions, if not billions, but you still want more and more and more? If you could share that with the most unfortunate, the most vulnerable, most desperate people, you will create a lot more millionaires in the or people that can be self-sufficient who can feed their people who will appreciate the good work that you have done the fight that you have fought for the poorest and the most vulnerable but we want to amass so much of wealth brothers that we are even forgotten that we are just visitors in this world that you are only going to be here for a period of time which is not guaranteed you can live another day, another month, another year, or another 20 years. You don't know that. But you want to amass so much of wealth that you are, you are thinking when it comes to your wealth 100, 200 years ahead, but you can only control it up to the next generation. So I think what is important here to note that until you educate our people, into what politics is all about until you can get people to understand that anyone who amasses wealth does it at the expense of the poorest of the poor. You know, in, 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 in Sharia, in my understanding, there is no place for anybody to be super rich if you comply with all the requirements. So I think what is important Important here is to go back to the drawing board, go back to the masses and get them to be educated and, and, and get them to understand the role that they need to play in their future because you can't leave it in the hands of a handful of, of people. Now, on the issue of Africa, look at what the African continent is worth. But yet it's the poorest continent because there's nothing that they own that they have do they own. They don't. It's in the control of others. Look at what is happening in the whole of Europe at the moment. They're on their knees virtually. Look at the United States of America and its debt, its crumbling infrastructure and everything else. Should Africa not take advantage of these things? They won't because leaders are only thinking for themselves, not for the country, not for the people. I give you a good example. Julius Malema said repeatedly, and he even goes to the extent of insulting Jesus Christ. And there are people clapping and applauding him. Don't you think it's like a fool's paradise? Now, what is important is he says, I will not wait till Jesus come. I will give you land right now. But he's in control with many other political parties currently who control certain, certain municipalities. Why is he not pushing them and with him dishing out the land which is within their mandate to do at that local authority level? How many people are questioning him on that? Nobody's questioning him. Do people know that they have the authority to dish out this land? 
which is in, 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 in the sole custody, currently of those that are governing those local authorities, they don't know these things because they concentrate on what politicians tell them. So until you improve the quality of education and in that process also including the curriculum, education on politics at a very young age, because people are being manipulated and groomed from a very young age to listen to politicians and to go out there and, and, and accept uh, handouts uh, uh, and things because politicians want you to be vulnerable all your life so you'll depend on them and you'll come out year in and year out voting and supporting them. So that's the problem. You need a societal change in the thinking of humankind for us to go forward. Hey, I really agreed with you, Ahmed. And, you know, uh, today, uh, tonight, uh, I mean, uh, the 21st of uh, March is uh, the autumn equinox uh, and it equal day, equal night. And people talk about equality. And yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows it in his different signs, in his balance. And he shows you high tide, he shows you low tide, and he shows you the mizan, the balance. He shows you the different, uh, you know, types of uh, uh, climates. Uh, you get, uh, you know, the different uh, weather. You get thunder, lightning, you get rain, you get this uh, hot sun coming and wind and so forth. But uh, same with, the, you know, when you look at insan, the, we look at in South Africa, Human Rights Day. We look at Sharpville. It was the uprising. It was an oppression all the time. And here the students came to the fore. And, you know, you, you, uh, you know, that Victor, uh, Hector Peterson, you can still that visual, uh, you know, a photograph where you can see him being carried and all these things. Uh, I mean, those were people of a different caliber. The youth of yesteryear compared to the youth of today are two different uh, breeds, although they are human beings, but they're like uh, of two different types of uh, disposition. How would you look at the uh, youth of the yesteryear who fought under the yokes of apartheid and those that have uh, the uh, freedom and they have uh, democratic rights 29 years later, it seems as if they are, you know, I don't know what to, uh, word used to, uh, to, to, to use for them because they burned down infrastructure, they burned down the buildings of learning, um, they have no respect for the elders and they, you know, are looting and so forth. How do, how do you compare them? Uh, you know, it's Human Rights Day, uh, Ahmed. Uh, let's call a spade a spade. Well, first of all, you know, these Human Rights Days is an opportunity for propagandists, politicians to go out there and use that platform to tell people what they want to hear. That's the first thing. If you talk about equality, what equality? The rich are getting richer, the poor is getting poorer. Again, I say because the interest is not in the masses, it's in self-enrichment, power and control. The problem with the youth of today, they don't understand, they've never experienced what it is to be oppressed, to have your human rights violated. They don't understand that. They are in a current society where it's all about handouts and they are just being given these things. That's the problem. The youth of yesteryear suffered. They know how they were deprived of education. They know how they were treated like they were subhuman beings. They know and understand this. They had a vision for this country, a vision for a new South Africa, 
where all will be free, where people will live side by side in harmony, with peace, with security, that they will live in a much better quality of life. All that has changed because the vision of the youth of today is different to that of the youth of yesterday. And I can tell you, you have lost the war already on expecting the youth of today to be the future of South Africa or the future uh, for the generations that are to come. You will have to start again at grassroots level, grooming the children at basic education level. And that's why I say you need to include this in the curriculum. And, 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 and you'll have to groom those children to become the leaders of the future. The current ones, all they are interested in, and you can see their conduct, and that is why the EFF seems to have made some ground, which is dwindling now in any event, is because they are able to influence the youth. None of these youth of today have actually lived apartheid. None of them have lived oppression. None of them have lived deprivation. None of these people have done that. They don't understand that. That's because at the moment we are just handing out and handing out and handing out. What are they giving you in return? 60% dropout in the first year of university. Only 30% of those that write mathematics in grade 12 make it in the first year of uh, tertiary education. And this is what we are producing. If you go to every, and I'm telling you no exception, every student accommodation, go there on a Friday night, go there on a Saturday night, go there even during the week and see. It's just party time. It's just fun. It's just excitement. That is what it is all about because there's no control measures in place. There's no oversight. There's no accountability. So the fact of the matter is just that the youth of yesteryear and the youth of today are poles apart, poles apart. And you're never going to bridge that gap with the youth of today. I am not one, I'm not going to say all of them of the same. No, there are those that are dedicated and committed, that have a vision. Unfortunately, like I've always said, in politics, there are in South Africa currently, we have a lot of talent, of uh, skills, capacity, youth as well with the integrity but they're not in mainstream politics. And that is why I urge the people that are outside of politics that may be able to contribute in whichever way to create a better country for our future generation to come and be part of the solution. If not, I can tell you we are going to have a disaster. Catastrophic consequences in South Africa in the years to come. And we will live, for some of us will live to regret it, others will be gone. But it means you have not done enough to protect the generations to come. 91,000 children gave birth to children last year, brothers. 91,000. On both the public holidays of Christmas Day and New Year's Day, at midday, there were 12-year-olds giving birth. Is that the future you want to create for this country? Clearly, and most of these children now will all be beneficiaries of some form of social assistance. Is that the future you want to create? So I think it's time that we look at these things. And there's been, to be honest with you, there's been no one. I haven't heard of anybody does that. Not one. 
that has been charged criminally for impregnating a 12-year-old child. Nobody. It's a criminal offense. So you can see exactly where we are heading. Mm. It's time to start in our own homes, grooming our children, getting them to better understand. You know, I always hear people say, don't bring in politics. Don't. Politics is part of your life. It's politicians that take every decision in your country that is going to affect you. They take decisions on what you eat, what you wear, what your health products you should be taking, what work you should be doing. Everything is decided by politicians. So you cannot say that you want to have nothing to do with politics, whether you are a cultural organization, traditional, religious organization, even if you have enough wealth that you think can last you for a few uh, generations, although I don't know how you're going to control it. But the fact of the matter is this, that you, all of us need to have some level of politics in us if you want a better future for our children. You know, Ahmed, you're making a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, uh, these kids. I mean, they're being 12 years old, 11 years old, uh, giving birth. And, uh, you know, and the tragedy of the whole situation is the single parent syndrome because the, 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 the father is not, the father doesn't take responsibility. Uh, there's no legal wedlock and nothing. So it's like a, uh, you know, a society without any morals and without any uh, value system. So it's a, it's a tragedy indeed. You know, whilst you're talking, I was thinking about, uh, you know, Julius Malema. And I think, you know, the courts and you look at the cops and you look at the private security and also civil civil society, they put a halt to the EFF's, uh, you know, we won't call it a shutdown, uh, but uh, to the, uh, what do you call this, uh, this march that was, uh, uh, that he was, uh, you know, perpetrating or he wanted to bring on. But it failed dismally because uh, the courts, the cops, the private security and civil society uh, put a halt to uh, the thing. And, you know, the, the, the beauty of the whole thing is uh, you got the unions uh, that uh, called it off and also the taxi. So uh, it shows that uh, society can make a difference, uh, Ahmad. Your thoughts? Well, yeah. First of all, let me say this, that um, the youth of today, uh, until such time you give them some direction, you have a hopeless situation that you can expect in the future. On the issue of these children, you are correct. Most of them will be single parent family. It reminds me where I grew up, what my father used to always say. My sisters and things, nobody had to go and work. They were not entitled to go and work. My father's view was very simple. It is your responsibility as the man to provide food, clothing, and shelter to your wife, to your children. That is what you're supposed to provide. Today, in most homes, the women have to go out and work. Unfortunately, they have to go out and work. They need to be independent in any case because they cannot rely on a man. And if you look at the statistics, 78% of black children do not have a father at home. 56% of colored children do not have a father at home. 23% of white children do not have a father at home. 13% of Indian children do not have a father at home. Now, what those children don't only want is for you to give them something to eat. No, they want love. They want attention. They want guidance. They want wisdom. They want a family. They don't just want this isolation in which they live in. No. So what is the society that you are creating when you shirk your responsibilities 
you, those children didn't ask to come into this world. So you need to be able to be there. You need to be part of their lives if you want to create a better society. And that is why I say, in, unless we deal with the issue of dysfunction of families from grassroots, what is going wrong? When did it go wrong? How did it go wrong? Why did it go wrong? You think you'll deal with the issue of crime in South Africa? No. <laughs> Gender-based violence. Was anybody born a murderer or a rapist? No. Abuser? No. When did they become this? How? Why? We need to ask ourselves the question. Let's look at the poor woman. She must go to work, Brother Shepard. She must come back, cook, clean, do everything, feed the children. She doesn't even have time to see her children anymore because the fathers are not even there. You're expecting her to be the mother. You're expecting her to be the father. You're expecting her to be the teacher. You expect her to be the breadwinner and the provider. How? How is it possible? Okay, that this woman, yes, she's not a superhero, but this is what we are throwing at them today. And so what is a society you're going to create later on? If that's what you what is the child going to see? The child is going to lead by example. And that's why you find a, a lot of offenses that are also committed are committed by repeat offenders. So a child who comes from a dysfunctional family only knows what it is, what a dysfunctional family is, a life is, and nothing else. So what are you expecting the child to take into the new life? So we need to be more responsible and play our part. That's the other problem that you, you, you tend to be having today in society. But again, there is no accountability. I give you a good example, Benjamin. These youth of today that are students in all these student accommodation, where is the accountability, the oversight by parents? Now, I know a lot of these parents are vulnerable. They live in poor communities because there's nothing happening in the rural communities. But they've lost touch with the reality because they got no control over their children. They don't know what they are doing. So the entire, you need a societal change in our thinking, the way we conduct ourselves. If we want to even protect them, if you don't do that, I can tell you that these children are all going to run into trouble at some stage of their life because they will live the life they best know. And who was responsible for it? Us parents who did not take responsibility for these children. That's the problem we are having. No, absolutely brilliant, uh, Ahmed. And then uh, the reality is dawning uh, in Ramadan. He's right there. We're right at its... Uh, at its uh, doorsteps. Uh, what goes through your mind as you look at uh, the Ramadan being ushered in this topsy-turvy world of ours, you know, uh, something uh, being ushered into World War Three and so forth. What goes through your mind as you contemplate on the uh, Ramadan of maybe yesteryear compared to what uh, is going through now, Ahmed? Uh, your thoughts? Well, I think it's time to reflect on the way we lived our lives. Uh, 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 and what we want to do about it. It's an opportunity to correct what we have done in the past that may not have been acceptable. It's also it's a time to better understand what other people go through in terms of hunger, in terms of thirst, the lives of, of the most poor and the vulnerable people. It's an opportunity to, 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 to work with them, uh, to, 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 to understand 
better how they feel, how many of these people go to bed without any food. It is also a time for me very frightening and very scaring, I must be honest with you, particularly when I think of my brothers and sisters in Palestine and things, because this is the time that these oppressors come out to oppress them and attack them when they're in the place of worship, in the masajids and things like that. Year in and year out, we know our brothers and sisters go through a very difficult time in, in, in some of these countries. And uh, it's also time for us as governments, as those in charge in different countries, in the so-called Muslim countries, uh, to better understand the plight of the fellow brothers and sisters uh, and what is going on in many other countries. So, you know, they, it, I think it's a time to cleanse. It's a cleansing process for us. Uh, uh, um, and uh, very importantly, I think uh, that we must not forget we have responsibilities, that there are certain expectations. Uh, we must also remember that the haves uh, have always been privileged and that you need to share with the have-nots. You need to, to, to embrace them. You need to, to, to protect them. You need to work with them to the extent that they can understand the values of, 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 of Islam, where we come from, this, this understanding that they have got through politicians and political parties of misleading them into making uh, people believe that Islam is a terrorist organization or violent organization uh, and things. It's an opportunity here for us to also get them to better understand us. You know, the, the, the beautiful thing for me is the number of people that are converting or reverting to Islam. The sad thing about it is, Brother Shafat, that these people are not reverting or converting because they're following your and my example but because they are going and doing their own research. So it clearly indicates that we have not been the examples we're supposed to be and be setting. And I hope that, that we can reflect on that and try and change that in the future, inshallah. Ahmed Mansour Sheikh Imam, uh, Member of Parliament, uh, Leader of the NFP. Jazakallah khair for sharing your thoughts with us on uh, uh, the After Dinamans uh, program. Uh, you have a beautiful and uh, a mashallah Ramadan ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah, that was Ahmed Mansur Sheikh Imam. Time for us to go for a break.